about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. We want to talk about the last, the last segment of what I call the worn out. The worn out. Somebody said, what a topic. But it's a topic of reality. It's a topic of reality because many people are worn out. And the scripture that we want to use, we found in the first book of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 67, that says, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing this is important this is important you leave the timing into his hands you leave the timing into his hands he says pour out all your worries and your stress upon him but then he also said as we said last week you've got to leave it there don't pick it up again for he always tenderly cares for you last week or two weeks ago we spoke about the worn out we spoke about the worn out saints that when the devil's aim is to wear you out and when you wear you wear you out you're a little threat to the kingdom of darkness when he wears you out that you suddenly look ugly sometimes you suddenly become less attractive you become less fruitful you become self-absorbed you become negative and when you're worn out uh, you, you you need to understand that there are a lot of start things that start to come into your home and come into your life that wouldn't have been there if you had a spirit that is elated and a spirit that is strong in the presence of god and then we started to look about some empowering steps uh, to defeat weariness and I thought I was just going to talk about three of them and I was done but God started to deal with me as we started to go on and the first thing I said is that I want to give you cures for the worn out things that will cure you because the Bible made it clear it says you have to bow low in God's presence there's a cure there's a cure for depression there's a cure for those who are worn out there's a cure for those who are burnt out there's a cure God is the God he's a healer and he can heal you but the Bible made it very clear he says that you won't have to come and bow low before him number two you've got to leave the timing onto him and number three you've got to pour out your worries and leave it there so in as much as anybody wants to help you there are things that you have got to do and when we start to tell Christians you've got to do something that's when they tune off because many people think that if I can just fast and pray that's the end of the show yes fasting and praying it does work but you still have to fast you cannot remain in isolation you cannot allow the devil to win and they said the three things I gave you number one there's I call it the three B's and then I've added two more B's to it and the first thing is break the cycle of fatigue you cannot function if you're tired if you're physically or emotionally exhausted you're a prime candidate to be infected with discouragement number two you can listen to my sermon it says boycott your faults boycott your faults stop concentrating on your weaknesses you will be worn out if all you're thinking about is your weaknesses and you will lose your self-confidence number three I said you've got to bombard your problems stop talking about the problems talk about the promise we could see through this testimony 
that they talked about the promise. She talked about the promise. She stopped being hurt that she was made redundant. She stopped being hurt that there was no job. And she started to talk about the promise. Uh, she saw uh, these ladies who sent this testimony, saw themselves bigger than the problems. Number four, let's go into the, today. Number four, I want you to listen to this. Number four is banish discontentment. Banish, what did I say? Discontentment. The book of First Timothy and chapter 6 and verse 6 to 7. He says, but godliness actually is a source of great gain. When accompanied by contentment, that contentment which comes from a sense of an inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. You've got to see that. It's based on the sufficiency of God, for we have brought nothing into this world, so it is clear that we cannot take anything out of it either. He says that that contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence inner confidence listen to me ladies and gentlemen while you're watching at home a, a, a lack of contentment without people a, 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 a harvest of peace produced from a seed of contentment will keep your soul and spirit this is l- let me be honest all of us look at me all all of us all of us battle with this thing called contentment, including your pastor. We all battle with it. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let's not, this is the biggest thing that weighs out the saints. Listen, you've got to understand that contentment is an attitude that says, I am satisfied with what God has given me. It is an attitude. It is an attitude. It is an attitude that says, uh, that says God, I, I, I thank you for what you have given me. We, we, we tend to forget that happiness does not come from a result of getting something that we don't have, but rather of appreciating what we have. We've got to understand that. Listen to what the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Whether living in plenty or want, I have learned. Last, last Sunday we, we took this, this weight jacket and we put it on that gentleman last Sunday. And that, that weight jacket is saying that you're going to be worn out if you lack contentment. Contentment. He says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. It is the battle I fight nearly every single day. How to be content. How to step back and say, God, wow, I thank you for what you have given me. When, listen to me. When Paul wrote this, he was actually in prison in Rome. When he says, I've learned to be content. Contentment, listen to me, is something that you have to learn. It doesn't come naturally. It's not automatic. It's an education. It's a process. One of the greatest elements of contentment is when you learn not to compare. 
When you learn not to compare. You see, they, 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 I must say to you, there are two swords or two sides of comparison. There's the positive side and then there's the negative side. Let me give you the three positive sides of comparison. When you compare yourself, there's the, 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 the three positive sides you need to look on. Because when you compare yourself, it can actually generate what I call three Ps, possibilities. It can generate possibilities. A belief that something greater and more rewarding is possible for you because you see it in someone else. Where I am as a, as a pastor is because I saw those who had gone ahead of me and I said to myself, if they can do it, I can do it. it, it is, it's not a negative kind of comparing yourself, it's the positive side of it. I remember when my twin brother did his master's in theology, I said to him, you know, I, I, I'm not really academic in kind. But he said to me, he says, well, if I can do it, you can do it. And I went ahead and I did it. And I, and, I, and, I, and I finished it in less than 14 months. Which something that would have take, should take me two and a half years. But it makes you, the, the, when, 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 you, when, you, when you positively compare yourself to someone, it gives you what is called possibilities. Number two, it gives you what I call perceptibility. Perceptibility. It, it can generate what I call perceptibility. It, it means like it gives you a clearer path of success because you have a role model that is ahead of you doing and giving you a blueprint of getting there. And that's the problem with this generation. Many of you don't have good role models. Many of you want to follow something online that is far-fetched from your vision. When you compare yourself to someone, it's supposed to generate possibilities. It's supposed to generate perceptibility. I have a perception. I have a clear goal that if I can see this role model go through the highs and the lows of life, I can just tread on that same path. Some people learn from experience. Some people are the experience. And number three, it gives you what I call positivity. Because when people say compare and compare with the three, it's all negative. No, 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 no. It can generate possibilities, it can generate perceptibility, and it can generate possibility. More positive growth in you because you're witnessing that someone else expansion reminds you that you have what it takes to achieve that same outcome or accomplishment or you can do something even that is greater it's supposed to give you that kind of positivity listen to me i am not involved in politics please don't shut me down but yesterday which was the uh, 7th of November, we found that Joe Biden is going to be the 46th president of the United States. Now, I'm just taking Joe Biden as my comparison, as my positivity. I'm not getting involved in the whole rhetorics. But when they looked at the history of the man, he, went, he got to the Senate on the 7th of November 1972. He, he, he did so many things to become the president. 
He stayed there. And next week I want to preach on don't go too early. He stayed there. And 48 years to the same 7th of November, he was declared the incoming president of the United States. 48 years. Somebody needs to sit down and say, it is not over until it's over. 48 years. Some of you are not even up to 48 years. You've retired. 48 years to the date, 7th of November, 1972, sworn in 7th of November, received the victory 2020, that he has now become the president at an age of 78. Listen to me, folks. What, what you need to compare yourself to is not actually the people who are around you. That's what kills you. You need to compare yourself to the people who are ahead of you. That's the positive element of comparison. The negative ones, which I want to zero in, is that when you compare yourself to other people, this is what makes somebody get worn out, is that comparing leads to insecurity. Beware of two major things that can define your life. Listen to me. Beware of two major things that can define your life. Firstly, don't define yourself by the way others see you. And secondly, do not define yourself by the way you see others. Let me talk to you again. Maybe you missed it. Don't define yourself by the way others see you. And don't define yourself by the way you see others. Don't define yourself. Don't, look, look, listen, listen to me. If you define yourself by the way other people see you, sooner or later, you will start to play their game. They came to John the Baptist and they said to John the Baptist, they said, ah, what is happening with you and Jesus? And John the Baptist says, I define who I am. John the Baptist said to them, he says, I am a forerunner. I am not the one. He knew who he was. He knew what God called him to do. He knew what his role was in the scheme of things. John the Baptist said that I am the one going ahead of Jesus. But there's someone greater coming after me. Herod in himself was insecure of where he was. And guess what? He wanted to find the person, the other person they called Jesus. You've got to understand that the reason many of us struggle with insecurity is because we compare. I love, I love this. I'm going to quote this man, Stephen Fornick. He said this, he said this, because I'm, this is not my quotation. He says, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our own behind the scenes to everyone's highlights. We, we compare our behind the scenes. We compare when we wake up in the morning and we're running around with the kids to somebody else who has a lot of maids around them and when they come out in social media, they're looking all good. They're looking all beautiful. They're looking all gracious. But, 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 but that's the highlight of their lives. Many people didn't see the highlights of those who have won championships before. Many people want to compare themselves to what other people have 
done over 20 years. Many people want to wear a diamond ring because they saw somebody who is 55 wearing it, which has, they didn't understand that they've, they've put in a lot of more than 30 years into the wedding, into the relationship, into the marriage. Many people are trying to see somebody who is driving a good car in the highlights of their life and do not understand that you are just still trying to build your life because you will drive better than that once you can understand who you are and where you are in the scheme of your life. We're insecure. We're worn out because we're looking around and asking, how am I doing? Most of us have this inward default that compares our weaknesses with other people's strengths. And when we compare that, we become miserable. Who are you? Who really are you? The negativity of comparing ourselves is draining a lot of people. We're in competition. And most of the time, it's what I call silent competition. Number two, we're comparing. When we start comparing, it leads to what I call misidentity. Misidentity. Stop trying to be someone else as you struggle in what you're not graced for. You will start carrying that heavy load all around if you start to be someone else. I say this all the time. Many people, they get married. And because you've learned the history of the man who went out with this lady for five, six years... You're looking for the photograph of that lady on Instagram or on Facebook to try to see if you actually measure up to her. You're black, dark, black beauty. He went out with ebony. You're black. Stay black. Before you know any, any other thing, you're doing chemical pills and you're starting to become unappealing. Because you, you, you've missed your identity. He didn't marry you because of your skin color. He married you because of your colorful life you bring into his life. You're trying to find out what did she wear? Why did it last for five years? You've just started five months. You've lost your identity, who you are really. We started to see who you are. Suddenly you're in a relationship. Things suddenly change. Because you're losing your identity. The man is looking around. Hey, who did you go out with before? And then the girl sees the ex. The name is ex. The girl says hello. Being cordial. Here you are. Bone faced. Put the camera on me. We can see the anger. You go to the car. You sit in the car. And then she comes in. Babe, are you okay? Yeah? I'm fine. Fool! Get a grip of yourself. Know who you are. If she goes with the ex, find somebody else. Stop comparing yourself. Be who you are. Stop comparing. Give me some time, ladies. Don't kill me down. Don't, don't shut me down right now. Stop comparing your husband. Even your wife, even your children, even your home to others. 
Stop comparing your husband. He doesn't need you to condemn him. Satan is already doing that. He doesn't need you to criticize him. His enemies are doing that. He doesn't need you to, 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 to discourage him. The job is already doing that. He or she needs that encouragement. Because most of the time, we're saying, can't you see how that husband does? Can't you see she bought her a car? Let me talk about cars for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife can bear me witness. Somewhere we're in a church. One church, I'm not going to tell you what church it is. And people were buying cars. And they were buying cars. My wife and I managed to buy a car. We managed to buy a car. God gave me a good job and we managed for the first time to buy a good car. One of these guys invited me one time and says, oh, I just bought a car. It was a Mercedes and I went to pay over it. And then less than maybe six months, maybe six months or something like that, he called me again, my wife. He says, come and celebrate with me because I just bought another Mercedes coupe for my wife. And I went there, I prayed. As I was praying, I was angry. Angry! I was looking at my wife. She had just celebrated her birthday and I probably must have given her maybe... 100 pounds gift or something like that. Hey, hey, compare 100 pounds to a 25, 30,000 pounds car. As, as I prayed over the car, I don't know if I prayed righteous prayer or anger prayer, but it didn't come from my heart. Anyway, I must confess, the Lord forgive me uh, because you've taught me. Well, now, I left the place, got into the car, was driving home, and I felt like a failure, a complete failure. My wife says, are you okay? Yeah. Did I do anything wrong? No. What's wrong? I just want to be quiet. Leave me alone. Because I know if I told her that I'm angry because of this guy buying a car for his wife, she'll look at me like, what a fool. Less than three months after that, a wind blew. Little did I know that the car was not bought. The car was actually given. And when the wind blew, the car was taken back. This is where I wanted to kill myself. I felt like a failure. Because most of the time, many of us do not realize that God sometimes doesn't give us something because he wants to protect us from it. Many times, we don't realize that. That most of our comparing is going to wear us down. If God had given me the same opportunity, I would have bought a car instead of buying a house. When the money came, I confessed to you as a church, I invested it rightly than in a car. By that time, I was so matured enough to understand that cars is just a plastic that this value decreases. Stop saying you're inadequate because of the fact that you don't look like someone else. Comparing leads to misidentity. And many of us are missing our identity and who God wants to use because we're comparing. Number three, comparing leads to what I call inability or disability. It leads to what is called a disability. A disability. Comparison is the most poisonous element in the human heart. 
Because it destroys ingenuity and it robs peace and joy. It disables us when we start to compare because we're worn out. Wives, you're comparing your home to other homes. Husbands, you're comparing your wives to another wife. You're comparing yourself. What you admire in other marriages is available if you would work on it. God is calling you to start to work on yourself. And the reason why many of us are worn out is we start to compare. And many people also force us to compare. Why is Worship Tabernacle not doing what this church is doing? Why can't we do what this place is doing? Why can't we sing like them? We are not like them. God is giving everybody their own mandate. In Worship Tabernacle, my entire life and mission and vision is to shape lives. I want you to be better, not only spiritually, but physically. I want you to get married. I want you to have children. I want you to have a purpose. I want you to buy your property. I want you, and even if you're not interested in all that, I want you to have what is called a fulfilled life. You have a vision. I want you to, feel, to focus on your calling. I'm not called to do everything else. I'm not called if you're missing the, 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 the vision of worship. I'm not called to do anything. I'm called to make sure that sons and daughters that rise up in this house will do better than I am. They should preach better than I'm preaching. They should, they should, they should, they should, they, they, they should evangelize better. And there are people who are here. God has identified them. They are the next pastors of this church. And some of them have gone too early. Some don't realize that God is marking their time in the wilderness to be able to bring them to where they're going. But God doesn't want you to start to throw stones at the foundation that is set down because the vision of the house is to shape lives. And you got to get onto it and shape other people's lives. I don't want to compare myself to Jesus' house. I don't want to compare myself to Hillsong's. I don't want to compare myself to other churches around. I want to compare myself to what God has called me and the mandate because the authenticity of your call is not in the cloud. Jesus, three years finished, he was done. And surely John died before Jesus. Finished his course. But Jesus alluded to him that there's nobody greater than John the Baptist. So let's go over this thing again and let's start to deal, deal with the cures. The first thing I said is that you have to break the cycle of fatigue. You have to boycott your faults, you have to bombard your problems, you have to banish discontentment. And last thing, last thing before we close, is you've got to be able to become grateful. Be grateful. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Message Bible, it says, thank God no matter what happens. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ to live. Thank God, no matter what happens. I am teaching you on the most difficult things I have to learn. I have to learn to be content, but I also have to learn to be grateful. One day I woke up in my house, and as I was starting to pray, I just stopped. I'm like, when last did you actually look around and say, God, I thank you. I thank you. 
Contentment is the antidote. Listen to me against complaint. Why did I say that? Because you cannot praise unless you're content. To be content doesn't mean you don't desire more. It means you're thankful for what you have and you're patient for what is to come. That's what thanks, that's what a heart of gratitude actually means. Gratitude works like vaccine. It keeps you from getting infected with the spirit of grumpiness. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It can turn a meal into a feast. It can turn a house into a home. It can turn a stranger into a friend. Gratitude. Gratitude can turn that little food you're eating into a whole meal that can feed 5,000. Gratitude is the one that will make sense of your past. It will bring peace for your today and it will create a vision for your tomorrow. Gratitude. Gratitude. Because if you bemoan your present state, you will never see a bright tomorrow. Gratitude. Gratitude. Because when you thank God for today, you're making a transaction for your future. We call it gratitude. When you have gratitude, that heavy load of sorrow will lift up from you. If, because a faithless life produces a thankless life. Many of you are not so happy that you woke up this morning in your bed, in your house, and not on a hospital bed. Really? Do you really think you're all that? You really think you're all that? Ordinary last, this week just gone. Severe back pain. And I never started to find out how your back is really important. You just need one of your fingers to be sore and out of action. Then you will start to appreciate how that finger is important in your daily bread. A faithless life produces a thankless life. A heart that is thankful is a heart that is joyful. A heart that is thankful is not a heart that is resentful. And you are, you, you're, you're, you're going on your knees so much. You're even now falling down flat because you bemoan your present situation. You're, the load is so heavy, you're worn out because you've stopped thanking God for your life. You've stopped thanking God for what God can do for you. So thanking God even for the job that you have now. Do you realize that that job you hated last year is your saving grace this year? Do you realize that? Do you, do, do, do you realize that the, the, the thing that you discarded, the, the wife that wasn't important is the one that is holding a job down today? Have you, have you not realized now the that girl, that lady that was useless is the one that is now carrying the burden of the home graciously right now. And this is the one you bemoaned. This is the one you attacked. Because we never know what God has given to us until we lose it. Praise God. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Learn to praise God for your health. 
and not for your wealth. Let me say this again. Learn to praise God for your health and not for your wealth. Because your wealth cannot buy your health. But your health can make your wealth. Got to understand that. You got to learn to praise God for that. Praise God. Praise God because many people, oh God, I thank you for giving me a good job. No, 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 no. Thank God for your health. Thank God because your health can make your wealth. But your wealth may never be able to make your health. Got to thank God for the beans you're eating. Thank God for the rice you can eat. Thank God because you are locked down at home right now. And stop bemoaning the fact that you can't go and celebrate your 30th year or 35th year birthday when, when someone is celebrating 48 years of being in the wilderness and now become a president. You've got to thank God for what he's given to you. You've got to thank God because you'll be able to stop being worn out by the little things you have. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, because you're not a pastor, you don't recognize this. I hear phone calls every single day. We get phone calls every minute. We get phone calls every day. We get in the middle of the night. And many of you, I look at you sometimes and I'm saying to you, you have no idea what God has given to you. Many of you even cannot even serve the God who has preserved you. Many of you will not even pick up a microphone anymore to sing because you are too busy. You are too busy in the opportunity that the heaven has given you. And then you get worn out because you have left the God who is able to preserve your spirit. Many of you are not appreciative of the husband that is in your house or the wife in your house. We're not even appreciative of the children he's giving us. The noise they're making in the house is supposed to be sweet music to you because there are children that are crying in pain. You have never heard the cry of a child in pain. Let me conclude this message by saying that the perception you need to live from if you're going to have joy in your life and stop being worn out is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. We know in all things. That is the whole thing you need to live by. You've been made redundant in your job. We know that in all things, God works for good. That guy ghosted you. We know that in all things, God works for good. That lady left you. We know that in all things, God is working for good. We know that it's not good that the job was not there. We know it's not good that you don't have enough money. We know that it's not good to be in debt. But we know that God is working something out. I sure now know it's good that it is not me being jealous of someone buying a car. But being content with the God who wants to orchestrate my life and say to me, what if you buy the car for her and she has an accident? And dies or is crippled. God, I thank you for what you have preserved me from that I don't see. And when you wake up in the morning, bam, with joy, 
Say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Once you wake up with that, heaven goes into action like, my son loves me. My daughter loves me. With that attitude, you can fly. You're not only going to believe you can fly, you will fly. With that attitude, you will stop being worn out. With that attitude, you'll be able to say, God, you are my keeper. God, you are my shield. God, you are my advocate. So please, if you're worn out today, listen to me. If you're worn out, if you're tired, if you're at that place where you're entering into the mode of depression, get rest. Break the cycle of defeat, of fatigue. Break it. Boycott your faults. There's something within you that God wants to work. Bombard your problems. Banish discontentment. And please start to give thanks and praise unto the Almighty God. Become, not I am trying to, become grateful. And when you do these five things, even if you're worn out, something will start to rise on the inside of you. Because your husband may not appreciate you. Your wife may not appreciate you. Your children surely may not appreciate you. But in the, at the end, God will be glorified in your life. It's time to come back to that place. Let's bow our heads and let's come to the place of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for somebody who's worn out right now, crying. And say, Pastor, I can't do this. I'm trying to stop trying. His grace is sufficient for you. Somebody who is saying at home, I'm just, I just feel lonely. I feel isolated. Start to thank God. His grace is sufficient for you. You've got to believe in the healing. You've got to reach out into that camera. You've got to reach out and stretch your hands to that iPad or to that phone or to that TV. And let the grace of God come through that TV upon your life. I, I, I want to talk to that mother that's juggling children, juggling a husband, juggling a job. The healing balm of Gilead is there. You, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I, I want to talk to that single mom first, or that single dad, bro, that single mom that, that, that you're feeling that all your efforts in raising up these children is going to vain. No, 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 no. Don't wear yourself out on them. There's nothing you have done wrong. Maybe we made mistakes, but God is so faithful that he will walk on your behalf. You are making more mistakes by screaming and shouting because you're worn out. Don't give up. Don't give in. Start to say, God, I receive strength. Get, pick yourself up from that floor. Pick yourself up from that place of de despondency. Healing is on your life. That children may leave you. That children may go in. Their children may be wayward. But stay in the place of prayer. Because you've placed more investment in them for it to go to waste. I want to speak to somebody who is battling with their finances right now. God is healing you. The healing balm of Gilead is coming. God is going to turn it around for you. You've got to step back. And let God do it. I'm talking to someone who may need to shut down their social media so that they can take a step back for a great comeback. 
I want to talk to somebody who they've compared you to your sister or to your brother. I want you to declare that that sense of insecurity is broken over your life right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to talk to somebody who woke up this morning and has been declared all their life the black sheep of the family. There's a turnaround. You are becoming the jewel of your generation. I want you to receive it now. Place it at the feet of Jesus. You've got to first let it go. Don't pick it up again. Be bold. Banish discontentment. Break that cycle of defeat or fatigue. Start to declare that God I'm grateful. Because today there's a turnaround in your life. You've got to get up. And as that woman plays six things she wants to see. Place it in the ground now. And say from now on. Joy and a smile will be on my face. Is enough is enough. I am made in the image and the likeness of God. And if there's anyone online, you haven't given your life to Jesus, who can come and help you? Who can come and be with you? Who can come and preside you? I want you to do that right now. Bow before him. I say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. From right now, from now on, I become a child of God. And once you've done that, Jesus will come into your life. And new things will start to occur on the inside of you. You will stop chasing after wasteful things. I want to talk to that girl right now who has been abused by her boyfriend. Let it go. Let him go now. Because what God has for you is better than what you are pursuing. Banish that kind of thing. He keeps saying to you, my previous girlfriend didn't do that. Kick him out. Trust God because you're being abused emotionally and nothing is going to change in that relationship unless you change the way you see yourself. I declare healing upon you now in the name of Jesus. To God be the glory, the honor and the praise. And if you need counseling, there's a number that will appear on the screen right now. A counseling number that will appear that somebody will be able to speak to you. Somebody will be able to bring you up. Somebody will to encourage you because isolation is the place where the devil brings defeat. Father, we thank you and we bless you. To you we give glory, honor and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And someone says a loud Amen. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.